Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Hey everyone, this is John Roca from Collider. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So, when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. (sighs) Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. I hope you're ready for a high-energy show today as we talk about a new rule that the DGA just put in place. On top of that, you remember that Mouse Guard movie, that Mouse Guard movie that we tore to shreds recently. (laughs) Well, director Wes Ball released a demo reel for that movie, and I'll tease my thoughts right up top here. 
I thought it was incredible. And I'm going to get to talk about that and the DGA news with John Roca and the one and only Scott Mann. Yes! Bring yes, in the uh, energy we're going to have a great show on Movie Talk always. today with you. I'm great so show. happy you're here. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't make another noise that we were talking about before. We will leave. Oh, there it was. You if, you, if you're in the live chat now and you can guess what that was, I'll give you some sort of prize. I hope you can. All right. Story number one today, DGA. We heard that there's a new rule that they put in place. And in case you don't know, DGA is the Directors Guild of America. And they have decided to ban day and date releases from eligibility for its top award which has now been renamed the Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Theatrical Feature Film. So this means that movies from streamers like Netflix or Amazon that are released on streaming the same day they're released in theaters are ineligible for this award. But this rule does not apply to the first-time feature category. Mm. So you guys hear this news. My first question for you is, does this even matter? Uh, I feel, yes, in a little small way, for certain studios and smaller films. I don't know if it matters necessarily for the films that studios really believe in for awards consideration because they, I think they always want to put stuff in the theaters. But you look at something, uh, you know, we were talking off camera about some films on the Amazon side of things. Is that affecting how people go to see a movie or wait for it to be streamed? I don't know. But this day and date stuff This is the wave of the future, and I think this is kind of like the old guard going, no, 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 we still want you to go to movies, we still want you to do this or that. So they've got to defend their position and where they're at. And on the heels of what Spielberg said a few weeks ago, it kind of makes sense that this is how the old guard of the industry is thinking. But event, I think it's a small uh, uh, defense against what is an overwhelming uh, progressive movement to change that thought pattern. Well, I I think the old guard does want you to go to the movies, and so Mm. does the new guard. Everybody wants you Mm -hmm. you to go to the movies. But really, Perry, the answer to this question is no, it's not going to make a difference. Because really, the only studio that this is really affecting is Netflix. The major studios are not releasing Oscar-worthy movies day and date. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, the only studio that does, and even they are doing it once in a very, very, very great while when you look at the kind of movies that they have for Oscar contenders. Mm-hmm. That studio, you know, I say in quotes, is Netflix. And the movie I'm referring to is Roma. Mm-hmm. I mean, Amazon has a whole other set of problems because they do not go day and date. But what they do is they have a much shorter window. If an Amazon Studios film plays in theaters, it, it goes on Amazon Prime to stream. In a, in a shorter window, it's about two months, whereas the other studios have three or even four months. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is a lot of people are looking at the Amazon Studios logo before a trailer, and they're going, you know what, I'll wait. Mm. But even though they – and look at the – look at how poorly a film like Late Night, which was acquired by Amazon Studios at Sundance for $13 million, made $5 million its opening weekend. It's not doing well. But I really think the answer to this question is no, it's not going to matter because really the only one affected by this right now is Netflix. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with you on that, hmm. except even Netflix bent their rules recently, and the streaming services are going to play ball if they want to be in the Oscar uh, consideration pool this time around. So the only thing, though, about this rule that does kind of bother me a little bit is the thought of, you know, 
know, a newer filmmaker out there or an unknown filmmaker out there who just wants to get their movie seen. So they make some sort of agreement that locks them into that. So just for the folks who aren't, let's say, a Martin Scorsese who have like some weight to swing around. What if they have no choice but to accept a deal like this? And then they are no longer in contention for the big DGA award. But again, that's probably why they didn't change that rule for the first time one. Well, Well, look at Alfonso Cuaron's response when they asked him right afterwards after he won the award for directing. He's like, well, how come this didn't get a long theater release? He goes, Mm. well, look, you try to pitch a film about a a subsection of the Mexican community with a completely different language uh, and try to get a a mass-wide distribution for this. This is what concerns me. This is why I don't like it because it's this kind of shot across the bow at the streaming services to try to defend their territory. And I think it... It, it, I get why they're doing that. I just don't like it because whenever you stand in front of progress, you eventually get mowed over. And they're just defending their old guard. And it just frustrates me because if, if we can't get out and you're raising the prices on tickets, why can't I stay home and watch an, uh, uh, an incredible film and have it be nominated for I, the DGA? I agree. And I, and I remember, Perry, you know, we've talked about this before in, in, a, in a heated uh, discussion when I think it was you, me and Jeff on FYC about uh, about movies that are are, you know, about going to see a movie in a theater, which yeah. is seriously, I mean, the best way to see a film but you know tickets are expensive you have alternatives and i and sure you know you people have families and they also have much 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 bigger tvs mm-hmm. and great sound systems yeah. where i bring up late night again i i would have enjoyed that movie just as much as at home but i did see it in the theater i saw it in a at, at sundance in a theater and i'll never forget the experience because mm-hmm. you can't replicate the the, the shared experience mm-hmm. but it's also very expensive i see both sides but, That's the frustrating part of it, yeah. is that like I can firmly see both sides, because even when we were talking about that recent New York Times article about just the changing landscape mm. and what I see as the closing of opportunities for smaller movies, because basically the box office is dominated by franchises and yep. franchises only. And I think Avengers Endgame, massive success. I'm happy it got it because I think it deserves it. But I think it steamrolled everything that came the next few weeks I after it. Completely. But there is there's that problem. But then there's also the part of me that says like a movie is still a movie and the fact that we have streaming services means we have more variety of content than ever we have more opportunities for up and coming filmmakers for diverse storytelling yeah. so i don't want to shut that out either i wish we could just figure out some sort of happy medium and neil varma in the chat is asking right now so does this mean the academy will follow the uh, follow with the oscars so that's the thing that mm. i was kind of teasing before is that even if every single guild and every awards organization followed what they're doing right now i don't think it's going to change anything because mm. nobody is really restricted by those rules right now anyway well, well okay let's look at look at martin scorsese's the irishman mm. okay when we were all watching the academy awards we saw that very 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 much a teaser trailer for the irishman where it said it said you know de niro and you know scorsese and joe pesci and uh, al pacino and it said only on netflix and then it said and in theaters. Yeah. So what if the Irishman goes day and like like what if it goes day and day? You're telling me that the DGA is going to ban Martin Scorsese from getting nominated. It's <laughs> a good question. Uh, well, they can't bend but, the rules for any individual. Well, that's right. The other that's thing right. I look at is look at you, you talk about late night, right? You go into the theater and it's a failure, right? It's deemed a failure in terms of not making money. 
this affects whether people look at it for an award or not. Look at First Man. First Man is one of the most incredible films ever it. made. Mm-hmm. A lot of us championed that film, wanted it to get nominated for an Academy Award. It couldn't smell an Academy Award. Why? Because well, it, did it didn't won. do well in the theater. Well, Visual right, but, the, but for Best Picture, mm-hmm. it didn't even get looked at or, or considered in the long run because it didn't do well in the box office. So That's a good point. if you could have released that in uh, Netflix and Netflix releasing the Adam Sandler number of 38 million or whatever, if you could have that story behind your film, then maybe that pushes it into consideration for a best picture or best director award. So this is the frustrating part of it all for me. And I don't know, y'all can fight back, but I, I'm I want to. You, this is progress. Move forward with progress instead of resisting the trend that bothers me. Because Perry makes a great point. Smaller independent films, smaller independent directors have, are going to find it harder and harder to put their films in theaters, and studios finding it harder and harder to put their money behind it as well. Why I think this doesn't matter right now is because Netflix does have the luxury. If it sees Oscar potential in XYZ mm. movie, they can fund a theatrical release. It's really no big deal. They accommodated the rule last year and they were fine my bigger concern is just you know the itty bitty distributor out there who has a really Mm. special gem on their hands and i know we don't usually see those crack the nominations all that often but the point is is that the, the opportunity is there and it's even and it's fair for everybody so if let's say someone out there could only afford a vod release for a movie it's like i just think we're hitting this point in time where everything needs to be considered equally at the same time though if a movie is really 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 that good then it's going to get picked up by by someone a lot bigger than the little itty-bitty distributor you're talking about. It could get picked up by an A24 or Neon. You would hope so. I'm trying not to point a finger at any smaller distributors out there, but I've seen many of them botch a movie's release, Mm -hmm. possibly because they didn't have the funds to support it. And it is very, very frustrating to see something that was made in a way that is deserving of these honors and can't get it because they don't have the right funds or Mm -hmm. team behind it, which is a shame because then you look at a studio like Disney right now. They can throw money at anything Mm. they want. They can make as much noise as they want and completely drown out everything else. So you know what? As we make changes to these rules, we should make changes to the money that can go into the campaigns to promote these movies for the Oscars also. This summer has been so fascinating to watch. Uh, You know, you talk about how Avengers Endgame basically streamrolled over the movies that came out in the weeks after. One of those movies was Longshot, a movie mm. which, which I know you love the, with uh, Charlie Starin. I mean, I love that movie. I thought it was great. And then you have a movie that came out on uh, Memorial Weekend. Wrong time to release this film and the wrong strategy to do it wide, which, which was uh, Booksmart. Exactly, Booksmart, yeah. Booksmart by Anna Perna. Right. They blew it with that movie. That should have been come out either in August or it should have come out in October as a, a select city thing that got platformed. But they wanted to rush it out to capitalize it on the uh, great word of mouth that got out of South by Southwest, and it came back to bite them. Also, if you take this to a possible logical conclusion, the studios now start to look at money, right? So all, all these, what I'm saying, <laughs> all these, even more so than all these superhero films now, all these things that these artists are complaining about and are hogging up the cinema will be even more in the cinema as less and less movies get theatrical distributions. And then 
then we're going to have to start the, the, the groundswell of people going, well, you better nominate Avengers Endgame for a Best Picture Oscar becomes even stronger because you have data to support it versus something small like Booksmart or uh, a long shot. You can say, well, no, because it, it kind of uh, came and went. But now, so this, they, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot with this in a flaccid attempt to stop the streaming uh, services from possibly being considered for awards. It is so frustrating how there's a silver lining to every single argument we bring up because you yeah. bring up something like Avengers Endgame and I think about what a movie with success like that can do for the individuals that are a part of it because sure. you know as someone gets more and more famous then all of a sudden they can start creating opportunities that weren't there f- before either for themselves or for someone else so right. we do have those mega blockbusters doing good for the industry too it's yeah. just I don't know in every single respect I just see like this massive uh, sea like departing and like little indies on one side big budget movies mm-hmm. on the other and we just need to make sure that there there still is opportunity for everybody absolutely yeah well that's a nice i know utopian I, you know, point of view but it's you not know true. who there is not much opportunity for right now poor west ball's mouse guard oh, but yeah. before we talk about that i've got some stuff to tell you about like the collider factory feed it is one of our podcast feed where you can get so much content we have the witching hour of course over there so apple podcast podcast one.com check those out sign up because there is so much good conversation over there also have you seen the new episode of comic book shopping you need to keep an eye out because jake gyllenhaal there's that look at that coy talking to jake gyllenhaal Ah. in honor of spider-man far from home it is going to be an epic episode of the show july 2nd you got to keep an eye out for it i know koi is so excited and i can't wait to watch it myself Holy moly, what a isn't that cool that's awesome I, I was so thrilled when i first heard that uh. story number two now we are talking about the mouse guard so west ball the director of the maze runner movies was all set to make his mouse guard movie and then of course we had the disney fox merger happen and apparently Days before they were set to go into production on the movie, Disney pulled the plug on it. Well, now Wes Ball has taken to the internet, and he decided to share a nine-minute demo reel. And admittedly, I was one of those people a couple weeks ago or whenever this happened, and I was sitting here saying, you were going to spend $170 million on a Mouse Guard movie? What is wrong with you? This should have been like a done deal, not happening. I totally get what Disney did. Then I watched this demo reel, which is completely unfinished, and I couldn't turn it off. There's not even any story in this demo reel, but I was mesmerized to the point that I watched the first round of it, which was mainly imagery, and then you get to watch this. You get to watch the same footage almost all over again with sound effects, and I couldn't take my eyes off what of it. What did you love about it? I, I love the world and the style, and I love the camera movements that he did. There's something about the way he maneuvers around that world that feels like so natural, and it almost it, it entices you to want more, to take that extra step and see a new creature, follow follow these characters around even further. And there's like one fight sequence in it that was so impressive, and I was just I was surprised how suspenseful it felt without any dialogue or me not even knowing much about the characters. Mm, here's the thing. So so up until. You know, this this news, this breaking news that they pulled the plug on Mouse Guard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now there's all this great footage uh, that was not on my list of movies to see. Uh, and and to spend one hundred and seventy million dollars, uh, that just maybe would make me think like, you know, who the hell greenlit that? But watching the footage, I agree with you. The footage looked amazing. It looked like Lord of the Rings 
with mice. Mm. Um, I know that's very funny you say that because Micah wrote uh, Mouse Guard could have been Lord of the Rings meets Stuart Little. Oh, they you guys are on the same page. Absolutely. But here's the problem is that watching the footage, yeah, it looked really, really great. But would that footage, would the film itself have have gained enough of a following? Was there was there enough awareness Mm. for Mouse Guard? I mean, I know it's based on a graphic novel series, but. Would there have been enough awareness to justify that $170 million price tag? I don't know. Maybe that's what Disney got nervous about mm-hmm. and pulled the plug. There is no denying that it's a risk, but mm. having seen this little bit of content, mm. I suspect it might have been a risk worth taking. Also, <laughs> can't you reassess that production budget? Can't sure. you look at that and try to figure out a way to save some money? That, like, mm. a, a balance of the two seems like a worthwhile path to have taken. Think, yeah, maybe. I think that would be real. I, I don't feel like they go in wanting to throw good money after bad. So I, I hear your point, Barry, and I wonder if they did do that and didn't realize or didn't see that there was a way to do it and bring the costs down. Because you look at that other video that accompanied that two-minute video he posted. Mm-hmm. All those desks I know. that had people at them building this was really incredible. And, yes, I agree. Nine minutes of incredible footage, both with music and without to give you a vibe of what you'd see was fantastic. Really got you into this world. But what's the story? What's the acting? The Maze Runner films, you know, hey. people people are in their side. People are not on their side. So would Wes have really landed this plane? We don't know at $170 million. That's a hell of a thing when you look at Mortal Engines, when you look at Valerian, when you look at these things that are not were well-known within the groups that knew them, but not to the general public. Is that a chance you wanted to take in the end? But this is also a brilliant move by Wes because it's very reminiscent of Tim Miller and Ryan Reynolds releasing that Deadpool footage. So this could be his way of going like, if there's anyone out here who wants to take a chance on this footage, this is how damn good it was. Here's the difference. So first of all, all, Deadpool was a comic book character from Marvel, not part of the MCU. Hardly anybody knew in the mainstream. Uh, Well, I I mean, I, I... Knew who he was. Right. I knew who well, Deadpool was. Yeah. Um, but we we're in the business. Ryan Reynolds. Though. Ryan Reynolds is a very, very well-known actor. And you know, you got the voices here of Idris Elba and uh, um, Thomas Birdie Sangster and, and Andy Circus. Uh, Tandy Circus is the other mm-hmm. one. Uh, but are they are they big enough to pull people in? Is the I concept big enough to pull people in? This is a very expensive-looking movie. That's the thing. And you know, sure, Disney has money to spend. They have money to burn, <laughs> uh, especially after all those layoffs. Um, and especially after Avengers, but I just still think that even though the footage looks really good, uh, I don't blame them for pulling the yeah. plug. I, I don't entirely blame them either. It's just unfortunate when I watch that and I say to myself, after having been on like the opposite side so, so like seriously before, mm-hmm. that I still would have wanted to watch that. But jumping off what you were saying about Deadpool, Roca, yeah. and actually we have a question from PJ in the chat. He's asking, will Netflix or Amazon pick up Mouse Guard? No. So is there any <laughs> chance that this could have the Deadpool effect where the material is out there now and Those somebody else Plus. snatches it up? I, well, then they still have to finance yeah, it. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they still have to finance <laughs> oh, yeah. it. And also, back when um, we got the word that Disney was dropping it, they had said that, I, I believe it was Deadline that had the exclusive, that they gave them permission to shop it around. And mm-hmm. I believe at the time, Netflix and Paramount were part of that conversation, maybe trying to mm-hmm. snatch That's it up. Funny. The thing is, having released this uh, demo reel and showing an empty office, mm. I mean, is. Does that mean it's over and has no chance? I see Sony picking up something like this. You know, Sony uh, Animation, the way they you know, they broke a whole lot of ground with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. 
you know, if they, if they would actually be a good fit for something like this if they went down that road. But do you read this as West Ball, like, one last-ditch effort yeah, to get it another yeah. hole? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, or him and his team, knowing it's a done deal, it's not going to happen anymore, and being like, hey, I'm just going to show you everything no, now. I think no. it's the former. Yeah, I, I, I hope you're right. I think he I hope played you're it right. perfectly. But, and also the apology that followed his tweet. Sorry to everyone involved in this. Sorry I couldn't land the plane. It's a very smart move all around PR-wise as well yep. to kind of come in as a humble director who really cared about this project. So that's going to speak volumes. I don't know if it'll get picked up because of that price tag is a lot. Yeah. And so it's, I wonder if as much as Netflix wants to throw money around, I don't know if they'd want to do it with this. It's very high, but looking like especially mm-hmm. – I, I, maybe you're not a big fan of the Maze Runner movies, but especially yeah. when you look at the very first one to see what Wes – and especially when that was his first feature. Yeah, yeah. That guy knows visual effects. When sure. you see what he can do for a certain amount of money – not um, again. I'm not saying that it's 170 million for a Mouse Guard movie mm-hmm. is money well spent, but he could make a lot with not so much. So right. if someone pared that budget down for him, maybe it would have potential. <laughs> All right, let's hit the live chat briefly and take a question from J. Scott for real, who's asking what genres outside of psychological horror slash thrillers should Ari Aster take on next. Especially well, as someone who was uh, rattled a little I, by I, Midsummer, I, a little. Okay, I am not. I am not <laughs> exaggerating when I say that Midsummer was the most unnerving, disturbing movie I ever seen. And I say that. I, I again, I'm not just oh, it's, it's whatever you know, just to sort of throw out the clichéest of, of ever seen. But I got home that night and I couldn't sleep. I woke up the next morning. I was still in a funk. Because it was so unnerving and disturbing, mm-hmm. and and I say that that it was it was even more disturbing than Hereditary. Uh, wow, he certainly is you know creating a genre unto himself because it's not really a horror movie, but it's definitely it's a whole lot more than a psychological thriller. So what does he do next? I think he should direct a comic book movie. Your Midsummer is my martyrs. But yeah. the cool thing about this question, having seen Midsummer, is. I also felt like Midsummer is definitely very, very eerie and unsettling, but it also had much more comedy than I ever would have expected. Sure. And oh, also yeah. just visually, it's mm. like so drastically different than Hereditary, which makes me think that he can probably do just about anything. He just seems like the kind of filmmaker that can go any direction as long as there's like a deep passion and understanding for like the, yeah. the message he's trying to achieve. I think a Fast and Furious movie maybe. Oh my God. <laughs> maybe not that. <laughs> no. I mean, like, here's what I think. I think it's certainly possible. I think it'd be interesting to see his take on a Western. And I say this mm-hmm. because of the visual aspects of the genre. Like, you look at Sisters Brothers, you look at the proposition. These are really interesting out there Westerns. Even McCabe and Mrs. Miller from the 70s really pushing the genre uh, out there into the outer bounds. And I would love to see what Ari's view of something like that would be. Maybe there's an otherworldly element to it or, or some kind of strange element to it that you can explore that you wouldn't have thought. But the West, where it's hot and it's dusty and it's dirty and weird stuff's always around the corner. You never know if you're going to live or die from one day to the next would be very interesting. Even throwing Deadwood as a possible uh, uh, interesting exploration of the genre as well. well when, I, when I say uh, doing a comic book movie, I don't see Ari Aster doing a Spider-Man right. movie or an MCU movie, but I do see him doing a movie. Like, Can you imagine if Watchmen, the 2009 oh, movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. had been directed by Ari Aster? I mean, it, like, it's such deep, deep, point. dense material to begin with, with such massively flawed, complex characters. And I think that sort of plays into uh, just, just the complexities of these, of these two movies that he's, he's directed. That's an interesting uh, thought. The Max would anyway. be another one. The Max from Image would be another one, which there you go. people remember from MTV animated stuff. What do incredible. you think, Perry? 
I think he can do again. I think he can do he anything. Do that, any anything that he. I'm not picking any genre because oh. I want to see. I want to like leave that uh, that door wide open okay. for him because I really do think that given what I saw in Midsummer, he could take a, a step in like a drastically unexpected direction. Mm. And as long as the passion for the story is there, I think he can knock it out of the park. He should do a romantic comedy with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that no, would be start. fascinating. Fascinating. Let's take one quick. <laughs> question before we take off how about all right you'll enjoy this man so this one for micah is if you had your own award show what will you call it i feel like you've actually thought about this oh the the uh, the movie mance awards <laughs> oh come on that works the movie mance awards you know yeah, yeah. best performance by a beetle in a motion picture I you feel know like best star trek movie what's the word for a sound effect <laughs> like work, like uh, you, when you want to like when you want to make us not a fully uh I feel like it should just be like an excited sound. Like oh. it shouldn't be a word. It should oh, just yeah, be the yeah. man's yell. The, oh my God! Awards. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! There you the, go. And the winner of the Oh my God award goes to Johnny Rocket. It won't be a day and day release though. No <laughs> day and day release in this award show. Uh, what am I going to say? The Outlaw Nation Awards. That's what it should be done. That makes sense. End of conversation for me. Yeah. I feel like mine can only be something Dewey related. Like the I don't know like Dewey does movies. Activity awards. <laughs> Well, there you go. I'll go with that because then it could be all genre awards. Because <laughs> genre movies do not get enough love at the Oscars. I don't care how no, many times don't. we've had that conversation. I'm mm. going to keep having it until they change something too, too, too or change things between. more. I mean, Get Out, Science yeah. of the Lambs, but what, what else? Let's go. Chip Exorcist. away at that a little faster, please. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. All right. We are done today. Roca Mans, thank you guys so much for thank being you. here. This was a blast. Always. Adam in the booth, thanks for your help. Dorian in the live chat. Guys, please like and share this episode of Movie Talk and tell everybody you know about us on the YouTube channel and in podcast form as well. And then don't forget, tune back in tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT Live for a new episode. Napa Know How. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.